Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yow, show number 2032. Today on Cars Yow, we're celebrating the Palm event that takes place March 18th through the 20th at the Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, Florida. It's a weekend celebration of motorsports where guests enjoy amazing automobiles, gourmet food, fine wine, and breathtaking fashion, plus a rally, all while raising money for a very worthy cause. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Palm Springs, California with a very special guest that no doubt most of you will know, Ant Anstead. Ant, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Oh, good morning. Yes, I am. Let's do this. You're always ready to release the clutch. Now, before I give you a a proper introduction, which you probably don't really need because most of us car folks know who you are, uh, what's one little thing that maybe we don't know about you, Ant? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that um, I, I have very little secrets in my life. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize I used to be a police officer. Uh, yeah. a, a nice little fact. I used to play uh, a, a lot of football. Um, I played 17 years uh, as a paid footballer, so over 700 pro and semi-pro games. Uh, other than that, I'm actually a little bit of a nerd. I, uh, <laughs> I, love, I love musical theater. How about that? I don't think anybody knows that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, another thing I know about you, because I come from the art world, my father was an architect and an artist, and I studied that in school, is you've created some very unique, cool sculptures, right? Yeah, I, I've always been a bit of an artist. I like to build things, draw things, paint things. And uh, yeah, I've, I've actually produced quite a lot of sculptures over the years. In fact, I think in America, uh, the, if anybody knows the Barber Museum in Alabama, I think it's the largest private car collection in the world. Yep. Uh, they, have four, they have four of my sculptures. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's an incredible facility. Well, see, there's always something to learn about every guest here, no matter how much notoriety they have. And you certainly have a lot of that. Let me give you a quick introduction and we'll dive into your world a little bit. Ant Anstead is best known for hosting car-centric television shows, among many other things. He started working and building cars in an old cow shed and grew that business and his reputation as a serious builder. He ventured onto British television and co-hosted For the Love of Cars back in 2013. By 2020, he had hosted 16 different television shows. And in 2017, he hosted Wheeler Dealer with Mike Brewer, who's been on Cars Yeah! before, uh, the number one most distributed show on the Discovery Channel. He established Angel 22, his own production company, and his extensive list of TV shows includes more than 20. And holds nine world records for car builds. He's authored three books, and he was appointed one of the youngest tactical firearms team officers in UK history, receiving two commendations for acts of bravery. Very cool. We'll be back in just a minute. But first, a word from our valued sponsor. So give him a little love and we'll be right back. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV 
rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guards for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word yeah, Y-E-A-H, 2-1 at checkout. Yeah, 21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Ant, let's dig a little deeper into the corner now. Since most people know so much about you, being on television, notoriety, of course, the wonderful tabloids, which I'm sure you love. Uh, Yeah. I want to go back a little bit to the beginnings here because a lot of people don't realize all the hard work that goes into becoming what many people are when they're successful. And when I introduced you, we talked a little bit about that old cow barn shed that you started in. Uh, Tell us a little bit from a car perspective, because we learned about your football and thanks for your service being a police officer. That's incredible. But the car world, uh, when you were not noticed, or I shouldn't say noticed, but your notoriety wasn't huge with television, you got into cars. Why cars? And uh, how did you build that business to move it forward to what you're doing today? Well, I was always a car builder, you know, even before I joined the police. I joined the police when I was really young, 18, 18 and a half. But, you know, a few years before that, I was building cars. And I graduated like most kids do, you know, with Lego and go-karts and soapboxes. And then when I was 16, I actually built my first car, uh, which was a kit car from a Cambridgeshire company called Tiger. So I built that car before I even had a driving license. Wow. And uh, I didn't do more than 50 miles on it. It wasn't about the driving for me. It was about the building. So then uh, when I joined the police, I found that working shifts was actually really good for being a budding car builder because it meant I had, you know, if I'm on a night shift, I would get up and throughout the day, uh, you know, work on a restoration. So from the age of, I'd say, 16, even to today, I've always, always had at least one project on the side. But in those early years when I was in the police, I was I was juggling multiple restoration projects. So I was, uh, you know, I had this kind of side career yeah. uh, being uh, being a car restorer. When in 2005, when I had this kind of pivot in my life, I left the police and I, I had this kind of realization. I just want to do what I love. What do I love? 
and I loved building cars. And at the same time, I was really lucky because I was playing football. So I had a bit of income coming in and um, I built up a little, you know, pot of cash restoring some, uh, restoring some previous cars. So I, I just went for it. And, you know, it's weird now, gosh, 17 years later, looking back, saying, thank goodness, because if I hadn't have made that move, I probably would still be a policeman. You know, that's what Cars Yow is all about, is people who love cars and have figured out a way to wrap their lives around them. I've interviewed over 2,023 of them now, which is pretty cool. What kind of vehicles and have you migrated into, I know we, we see you on TV working on lots of different cars, but that's your TV world, if you will. Uh, is there a general, a general mark or type of car, if you could build anything you wanted and I could just open my checkbook and say, build me something, Ant, that you really love to work on? Well, as a uh, as a kid, you know, being uh, British, growing up in England, I leaned into Amer- uh, sorry, uh, British marks. So, you know, I did a lot of MGs, a lot of Triumph, a lot of Rovers, a lot of Minis, Austin Sevens, which I think out here are called the Bantam. Uh, they're actually re- they're actually really rare out here. But in the UK, picking up Austin Sevens is pretty easy. So uh, I cut my teeth building specials. So I would take an Austin Seven, turn it from a I don't know a four seater box taxi type car into a you know, a single-seater sports car or a, a, two, a two-seater special, it would look more like a trials car. So I really, uh, I really learned about design and creativity and, you know, coming over engineering solutions and making stuff one-off on Austin 7s. And I love, you know, that's probably my most favorite part of the car world is I, I love metal work, you know, more than, say, mechanical work. Mm-hmm. So if somebody was to come to me and say, look, build me a car, what would you like it to be? I, I would build a special. I would not start with a, a car that needed to be restored to its original glory. I would start with a box of bits and make something that never existed before. That would be my kind of, my uh, sweet spot. So you're kind of a bit of a hot rod guy, I would guess then, with that kind of a build. Yeah. Yeah, versus a Concord builder. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, out here, you know, the, the concept of hot rod, you know, if you say the word hot rod to a, a, a British person, you know, nine out of 10 British people would think of this kind of, you know, brash, low, you know, roof chop. But actually, we're talking about the same sector, but just a different um, context. It's interesting because, uh, you know, I wrote a book about it, about how to build a special. And the concept of a special is it's a, a car assembled from an accumulation of parts that ends up being something totally unique. And of course, we're in this car world where, you know, cars are so unique. You can get an off-road or a four-seater, a two-seater, a ten-seater, a convertible, a saloon, a hatchback. You know, the options are so varied. The concept of building something for yourself or for a client is actually the most rewarding. It's the same as you know, having a suit tailor-made. So, yeah, I really love creating something that's never existed before. Plus, we as a car world have established all of our engineering principles already. You know, why would I set out, you know, design brand-new brakes when I can go and salvage them off a car that already exists. So yeah. you can actually afford, affordably and very cleverly put together a car um, using parts that were already out there, and it could be a totally unique car to you. So yes, in America, you could call it the hot rod world, but in the, in the UK, I think it's more of a specials world, and there's some amazing specials out there. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. I love some of the things being done today with, let's say, uh, Rob Dickinson, a fellow UK Brit, uh, building the Porsche, of course. And there's so many others, and I've had him on the show, that are taking old cars and they're reimagining them. He loves to use that term, but making them into something new. I think this hot rod scene that we had here in the US, and I know you had it over there as well in the UK, it has a resurgence going on right now. And I used to be a diehard like car had to be original and all. And now I like this whole thing. Rod Emery building stuff, John Wilhoyt, the stuff that you build. 
I think it's kind of fun to do something different, make it a little faster, of course. That's always fun. But that seems to be the sector you enjoy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know Rod personally, and I, I'm a huge fan of uh, Rod and his uh, 356 work. And, and uh, you know, use Rod as a perfect example. Now, I've owned a 356. It's a pretty agricultural car to drive. Yeah, you know, it's a yeah. bit clunky. It feels, it feels a bit like, well, it is a Beetle, isn't it? Yep. But, um, you know, when, when you drive a rod car, you get into something that has some refinements. You know, the brakes are better. It, it, the acceleration's better. The steering's more precise. Oh, yeah. Yet you still have, you still have that kind of aura and nostalgia and the smell and feeling of a 50s Porsche. It's, um, you know, why wouldn't you take something beautiful and make it more practical? And the only answer to that is if you're not going to take that route is that you're not a driver. Right. No, surely, if you're a driver of your car, if it's a museum piece and it's a show pony, fine. Don't worry about having great brakes. But if you're like me, you want to just you know wake up one morning and go, I'm going to get in my car and I know go for a road trip or go pick up the shopping. You no, know, I, I want it to start first time and perform and drive and you know I want to enjoy that experience. So yeah, I'm a big fan of upgrading and modifying resto modding a car if you, if you like oh yeah there's some fun stuff being done out there now you came across the pond as they say over here to the colonies and you uh have yeah. kind of settled down a bit over here in the u.s is, is this a place you think i know you're going to be heading off to uh the uk soon but is this a place that you uh think you're going to stay for a while obviously with the television work and things you're doing there's a lot of that activity over here Oh gosh, yeah, it's been five years since I moved to America, and absolutely, I, I, you know, I feel I feel totally and utterly at home here. Um, I live in Laguna Beach. I love living in the Laguna community. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I don't see myself going back to the UK at all. Yeah, it's a beautiful area. My sister and mom live there. In fact, I'm coming down there in April for the La Jolla Concour. Uh, where I grew up, and I'll be uh, staying with them and driving down for that event, which is cool. And I want to talk a little bit about events. Uh, the Palm event, uh, which I promoted here this year, Scott Schrader, that wonderful event. I know you've been to that event. You have some affiliation with us. Uh, James Tardish put us together for this talk today, and we'd be remiss not to mention that event. And I'm going to talk about the charities involved in your charities in a little bit. Have you been to the Palm event, and what's your perception of why that's a place that car people need to go? Well, it's really interesting. Since launching Radford, the, uh, the, the biggest sales avenue has come from the East Coast. Now, Palm Beach, Florida appears to have been a, a place you know, where customers have been captured by the imagination of Radford. So for us not to be there would be remiss because there's obviously a big car culture in, uh, on the East Coast there. But so what we've done is we've, uh, we've actually sent our JTS, our John Player Special Radford, to the event. We have uh, some members of the Radford team going. Unfortunately, I can't go because I'm timed uh, with one of my UK trips, but I, uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to getting the updates from James. James is specifically going there with the JPS, um, and we've teamed up with uh, Palm Beach Lamborghini, um, who have set up a completely independent uh, Palm Beach Radford platform, so that you know we can service all those East Coast customers. That's how many we've got. So I think it's going to be interesting because you know the uh, the event traditionally has uh, sort of a mix of classic and modern supercars, if you like. Uh, certainly sort of low-volume, high-end, that kind of version. And uh, this will be the first time, I suspect, that a big chunk of that that attendee has ever seen a Radford in the flesh. And they, you know, those guys and girls, they know their cars. They know what they're looking for. They've seen a supercar. They understand what a, a good sports car is. So it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty stringent test for us. And we're going to be at it. Yeah, I was going to say, tell us more about the Radford brand. Well, it's, it's, do you know what? It's... It's such a passionate project of mine. You know, for those listeners that don't, um, don't know anything about Radford, Radford was this uh, British coach building brand that was founded in 1948 by a man called Harold Radford. 
Um, and they launched the brand, Harold did in 1948, at the Earl's Court Motor Show in London with a Radford-bodied Rolls-Royce. So what Harold did is he focused on the externals, the body panel, and placed it over existing cars, the first one being the Rolls-Royce. So since 1948, Radford worked with some really iconic brands like Aston Martin. In fact, they made an Aston Martin shooting brake. Nice. And they turned a DB5, yeah, DB5 into a shooting brake to carry dogs and guns was quite interesting. Yeah. And, you know, they worked with big brands like Jaguar and Bentley and Rolls, etc. And uh, you know, a lot of Americans don't realize that the first ever Ford G240 was worked on by Radford. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, the original, the white one with the black bonnet. In fact, we found them re- some really amazing archives of, uh, of that original car being worked on and the guys in the Radford team painting it and assembling the panels. Um, but yeah, it was actually built, it was built in the UK. I think most people realize that on a Lola chassis um, and uh, Ford primarily just provided the engine. Um, you know, and it obviously went on to be an iconic Le Mans car for Ford, and that, the movie Ford v Ferraris really helped, you know, resurge the interest in that vehicle. Yeah. So Radford patented the hatchback, patented the reverse-facing seat, and then by about the 60s, Radford uh, managed to get this really cool celebrity clientele. Every single member of the Beatles owned a Radford. Peter Sellers, Steve McQueen, Enzo Ferrari owned a Radford, and that guy knows his car. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> so, uh, so Radford became this kind of cult British coach builder, that um, faded away by the sort of, by the late seventies, early eighties. Radford had sort of disappeared into oblivion. So I got together with a team of people, uh, one of which is Jensen Button, a Formula One world champion, and um, a, a super dude called Roger Bailey, who um, is a kind of a, a is a lawyer out here, but he's more of a rock star in my mind. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we revived the Radford brand, and for our first car, we teamed up with Lotus. And what's really interesting about the collaboration with Lotus is Lotus were also founded in 1948, same year as Radford. Oh. Yeah, it's amazing. But over the Lotus 73 years, they've actually, they'd actually only collaborated in this way three times before. One with Ford for the Lotus Cortina, one with Talbot for the Lotus Sunbeam, and then the last time was sort of 33, 34 years ago with Carlton, the Vauxhall Lotus Carlton. Okay. So for us to be accepted, so the last time I saw a collaboration with Lotus, I was a child. I was like an eight-year-old boy in the UK. And now, years and years later, I get to uh, team up with Lotus. And they were super collaborative on this. You know, we spoke to Lotus probably every other day. And together, we, uh, we, we meshed the Lotus engineering, the bit that they do best, the handling, the suspension, the steering, with what is our new Radford Type 62-2. It's been such a, a boyhood dream to be on the sidelines watching this unfold. And we've managed to pull together a really cool team of people we looked through the history of Lotus cars and we chose a, a quite obscure car, actually. It was built in 1969 called the Type 62. They only made two of them. And uh, using the design cues and inspiration from that car, we built a modern version of that 1969 car. And throughout that journey, we actually managed to acquire the brand John Player Special, which, Ooh. of course, for race fans is, oh, is gosh. iconic. You know, black, it is, yeah. yeah. So the black and, you know, uh, Andretti, Fittipaldi, and, uh, uh, you know, Ayrton Senna's first win was in a JPS. So we uh, we had to, of course, do a, a John Player Special Radford Lotus, and uh, that's the car that we're showing at the Palm Beach event. Nice. Ah, so cool. This is really fun stuff. I love it. You know, no doubt you have a driving inspiration in your life, somebody who's been maybe a key mentor, someone who's been very influential, helpful in your life. Most successful people do. Is there somebody that stands out for you that you could share with us? Yeah, it's interesting, actually. The, 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 the older I get, the more mature I get, I realize when you look back, it's only when you look back that you can actually start to join the dots up and you realize that that period in my life, that person was a, a rock. 
So, you know, as you travel through the, you know, this weird, <laughs> this weird path that we call life, you have people come, support and leave and come and support and leave. And, you know, I've been very fortunate that, um, you know, I've had these sorts of role models throughout my life and they've, they've been a revolving door of amazing and inspirational people. And, you know, the last few years, you know, Mike Brewer brought me to America. You know, I came here as this sort of bright eyed British boy, not really knowing what to do. And Mike was a solid dude at that point in my life. Yeah. You know, I, I went, through, I went through a divorce and you know, I had, you know, I had family and, you know, being a foreigner in a country, you know, no, no friends, you know, Mike was a real solid Solid dude, and you know we remain really good friends. In fact, when I go back to the UK, <laughs> which is pretty soon, yep. um, I'm, I'm spending the, I'm spending time in Mike. Oh, nice. Um, and you know, going through the going through the Radford project, you know, you have to if you're building a brand and you're building a supercar and you're launching something so public and so you know, aspirational, and you have to do it with solid people. Yeah, it's impossible if you have somebody in the inner circle that isn't solid, then it's not going to work. You're as you're as strong as your weakest link. And what I found is that. You know, Jensen Button, Roger Bailey, oh my gosh, they have been like solid rocks for me along this journey. And the people that we brought into Radford, Izzy Rower, the first employee of Radford, she she is just, you know, she's one of my best friends. But between this small team of people, we've managed to achieve so much. So, you know, I'm inspired by those people around me. And, you know, hopefully that flows both ways. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sort of name anyone in particular. But, <laughs> well, that's yeah, it's pretty. That's pretty cool. Mike's been a guest here on the show. He was, you know, he's a firehouse, um, uh, fire thrower. I mean, the guy just has energy that is coming out of everywhere. I, I always look at him and go, man, what keeps that guy going? It's just his inspiration and passion. And as we're recording the show, you're getting ready to go to Jensen's wedding today, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. 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 Finally. Actually, this is the fourth attempt. He, him and Brittany have had three cancelled weddings because of you know various scenarios so today is today is the uh, uh well hopefully <laughs> i mean i don't want to i don't want to no it. we won't jinx it everything's <laughs> going to go perfectly well so uh yeah give him and the lovely bride my best we're going to take a short break we come back i want to talk a little bit about a challenge because we've all faced challenge you touched on one a little bit there so keep that thought in mind keep the seatbelt tight and we'll be right back i've teamed up with auto geek because well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. 
That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So, Ant, let's talk about this. I love to ask my guests this question, not so much to drum up negative things. It's more about what was that really valuable lesson. So let's talk about maybe one of the big challenges you've had. Maybe it's a big failure, something that really kind of pushed you back. But more importantly, how did you come out on the positive end of that by turning it into a learning lesson? Wow. I mean, that's such a big question. And we probably don't have enough time to dive deep into it in this interview. But you know what's really interesting is that I believe that as you walk through life, you get armed, you get given a tool belt of idle experience or lessons, as you call them, failures, and you accumulate these failures, no matter how small or how big. And ultimately, there comes a stage where you make use of that lesson and you look back and go, oh, so that was the reason that that went horribly wrong. And, um, you know, probably my biggest influence is the years I did in the police. You know, it feels like a totally different life to me. It's almost looking back like I never, it never happened. It was somebody else. That wasn't me and the police. Yeah. But of course, being a police officer, then I had, you know, I had a front row seat to the worst of humanity. And again, the best of humanity. I got to see the, the worst things that humans are capable of. And then, of course, the best things that humans are capable of. So I look back at those, those sort of defining moments, whether it was, you know, tackling an armed offender or dealing with a, uh, a violent assault or a murder or, you know, that, that was you know, commonly humans do horrible things. Yeah. You know, and the way, you know, I have a, you know, I have a really kind of, I, I think very different to the normal member of public that I have a very interesting relationship with life and death and loss. And um, I think that's really put me in a, in a strong place because you know, I, I've, I've, I've seen and, and done some really difficult things. Yeah. You know, sometimes if, you know, a lot of people don't really, I was a, I was a tactical firearms officer, I was a, an armed officer, which is rare in the UK. There's only a very, you know, there's a small handful of people, oh, that's, but that's right. right. I spent three days in a safe house with a serial killer. Oh my God. John Duffy. He was known as the railway murderer. And, you know, you get, you know, I was playing cards with him and having pizza and looking after this, uh, you know, protecting this guy. And, uh, you know, everything kind of goes away. You know, all this stuff that people right now feel that are important, it's not important, is it? In, you know, so over the years, I picked up these, you know, my tool belt of experience, and the police gave me a big chunk of that. I, I learned a lot in a very short time, and uh, it's a, a real, it's a real jump in the deep end experience because, of course, once you qualify as a police officer, put a uniform on, you have to deal with what whatever is in front of you. So every day. Whatever is put on the plate is unknown. So you start the morning or the afternoon, whatever it is, knowing, oh, well, I don't know how the day goes. I'm going to react to what comes my way. And what comes your way as a police officer is remarkable. Wow. Well, you know, I want to, my hat's off to you, Ant, because uh, I've got friends that are police officers. I've had friends on the show that have been police officers or are police officers. Uh, frontline defenders, you guys are the best of the best of the best. And what you have to put up with sometimes, I don't know how you do it. So my hat's off to you. And I appreciate you doing that as a really special part of your life. And, and you're right. I love the way you said that. It gave you a toolbox of lessons learned that you could carry forward and have a whole different perspective on all sides of the law and humanity that most of us don't get. We get these little snippets that are delivered to us via the media or social media or whatever it is that aren't 
really very real compared to what you dealt with. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, no, it's cool to talk about. It's funny actually because you, 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 you know, in every setback, I know I, I was taught in every setback there's a, a lesson and a gift. Yes. And I think the, the idea is, is that you need to sort of take some time, understand what the lessons are. And I think the lessons are the obvious one, but then the gift. A lot of people, they dwell in trying to find the lesson and failure is so bad. But actually, the, when you actually establish you know, what the setback was and how it affected you, find the gift. Because if you find the gift, you'll realize that there's no such thing as failure. They're just lessons. Yep. It's all about being grateful and having gratitude. Uh, that is the secret sauce to life. Wow. Heavy stuff. Well, again, thank you for your service. That's tremendous. Hey, let's talk about cars here. I want you to share a very special vehicle in your life. You've had lots of cool cars. Uh, maybe pick oh, one, that, pick one, at least for today, that really stands out and share a story about that ride that made it so special for you. It could even be your first car. Wow. I, uh, well, it, it, you know, I, I have had a lot of cars over the years. I've had some cars with some amazing stories. But do you know what? Right now, at this particular point in my life, it, it has to be the Radford. It has to be. You know, of all the cars I've restored, and I've done hundreds, um, yeah, it has to be. You know, I, I think now, as a, a 42-year-old British boy living in California, if I'd have said to myself as a, let's say, that 16-year-old boy that built that first car, hey, in a few years' time, you're going to be living in Laguna Beach. You're going to launch a supercar company with Jensen Button, a Formula One world champion, and you're going to and you're going to partner with Lotus, who don't do this, by the way. And you're going to build the last ever petrol-powered Lotus in history. When your grandchildren are going to look, read a book on the history of Lotus, the last page for petrol is going to be the car you built. Wow! I would, um, I would have said you would have laughed. Hey, yeah, good luck on that dream. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you know what? Building supercars, it, it's 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 an industry fraught with danger. You know, you know yourself. You know, you hear all these aspirations of people. You know, you see in the news feed, oh, a new supercar. Oh, this car's coming out. Oh, and you know, actually, the majority don't make it. Right. Lots of money lost. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've been incredibly lucky because we've really focused on building something that is, you know, a lot of people. It's the same with, <laughs> the same with TV. Actually, you, if you go out trying to make something that you think people want, you lose. Yeah. If you just make something that you really, truly love yourself and the knowledge that maybe one other person might like it, you win. It's the Bourdain philosophy on making something. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't, don't pander. Don't pander to the masses. Just do something you're totally, utterly passionate about and it will all work out. And that's what we did. We set about building something that we were really passionate about, not even considering whether anybody would like it. It's if we would like it. You know, the, the new Radford Lotus is, is it's an embodiment of that passion. Yeah. And I'm so proud of that car. Well, what you guys are doing is super cool. It's Lotus. I had one Lotus in my life. It was when I started vintage racing. It was a 1960 Lotus 18 Formula Junior. Oh, wow. First open wheel car uh, Jimmy ever drove. Uh, that guy that used to race back in England, that superstar race car driver. Lotus is, yeah, pretty special. First time I jumped in a street car and drove on a track was in a Lotus uh, with our driving school up here. So very, very special what you guys are doing. I think it's just awesome. So I'm going to be your car psychologist before I let you get to this wedding. So you got to sit back on the couch and give some thought to this deal. I don't think anyone's maybe ever asked you this question in this way. If you were manifest as a car ant, and this isn't what you want to be, this is how you perceive the man in the mirror. So you got to dig deep into your soul for this one. What would you be, but more importantly, why? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, well, my friends always tell me that, you know, I, I, you'll never ever see me wear anything fancy. Like I'm always in rigger boots or a t-shirt. Okay. Or, um, so I'm always a bit rough around the edges. Yeah. So, um, and I'm pretty slow. 
so I'll probably be a Series 1 Land Rover. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, a workhorse, you know? Uh, yeah, you know, and that's, yeah, that's another thing is I, I, I rarely stop. I like, I'm always doing something and I'm always working. And, nice. Um, yeah, I, I drip oil everywhere and <laughs> no, panel, no, no panel is straight. I love it. A lot of noise and I'm slow. Yeah, that, that's the way I like that question answered. You know, I love to talk about giving back. Now, I know the Palm event, their charity of choice, is a wonderful charity called The Place of Hope. But also, you're a patron of the Harrison's Fund charity. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, Harrison's Fund is a charity that represents um, boys with Duchenne, which is a, a version of muscular dystrophy. It's a, it's a disease that affects mostly boys, I mean, mainly boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, um, you know, the life expectancy of a Duchenne child in the UK is sort of mid-20s. So I became a patron of that charity because my friend Alex had his son, Harrison, um, who is the same age as my son, Archie. So Alex and I both had boys. And my son, Archie, is going to be treading a very different life path than his son, Harrison. So, yeah, yeah Harrison, uh, Harrison's been robbed of the privileges that Archie gets because he has Duchenne disease. So, um, you know, it's something that's very close to me. And, and, and what's really amazing about Duchenne, I mean, Alex has absolutely transformed. You know, he's changed legislation in Parliament. He's really, you know, he's really genuinely treading a path to a cure. And um, that there are some developments in medicine, particularly here in America, that means that boys that have Duchenne might not die in their 20s. They could live a full life. Yes, they won't be Olympic sports people, but they will live a full life. So, um, you know, the advances in muscular dystrophy, particularly around Duchenne, are remarkable. And, you know, it's something that I really believe in, but it stems back to my relationship with Alex's son, Harrison. Wow, that's wonderful. Is there a uh, website where people can go and learn more about this and perhaps even donate some some money to help? Yes, it's, uh, it's I mean, double check, it's harrisonsfund.com. Okay. If you jump on there, we, uh, we, do, uh, we do some really cool fundraising stuff. And yeah, it's it's remarkable. It's um, it's something I'm really proud of. Well, you should be. That's fantastic. I'll make sure to put a link to that on Ant Shono's page. Also, the Place of Hope, the uh, Palm Events Charity, another wonderful facility that helps people in need. Uh, both very very worthy charities. Now, I you've written three books. Now, uh, I wanted to mention these because I always ask my guests for books that they like to share. And the fact that you're also an author, as if you're not busy enough, Ant. My goodness, uh, Cops and Robbers: The Story of British of the British Police Car, which has a close tie to you, of course. <laughs> petrol head parenting. I love this one. The essential guide to diagnosing and nurturing a petrol head. I've got a my first grandson my daughter just had, so I'm working on that, despite what she uh, rolls her eyes back. And uh, you have another new book? Is that your new book out yet? Yeah, so my third book is actually, uh, you probably know the, the publisher Haynes. Haynes, of course. And, and Well, we talked about specials earlier in this interview, and John Haynes' first ever book was actually uh, how to build a special based on an Austin seven. And then obviously that went on and exploded into the Haynes dynasty that we know today. But as a British car guy growing up in the UK, Haynes were <laughs> the car builders Bible. Of course. I always yeah. had the, I always had a Haynes book or a dozen in my, you know, with the oily fingerprints where the pages were turned. <laughs> yep. Me but, too. Um, Haynes, like a lot of publishing houses have, uh, have faced the transition into, uh, digital. So Haynes no longer hard print books, which is a shame and, you know, probably something we could talk about another time. Yeah. But the very, very last Haynes printed book was a book I wrote, and it brings the Haynes story full circle. While John Haynes' first book was How to Build Special, uh, Haynes' last printed book was with me, 
how to build a special. Wow. Again, that's one of those things for you to go back to that 15, 16 year old kid and think, you know what, as I'm going through my hands, I'm going to write a book for these guys. And it's going to be the last printed one too. I mean, who'd have thought? Exactly. Yes. But remember, I'm I'm like the king of manifesting stuff. <laughs> yes, you are. That's the way so, to go through life. That is it. So, uh, so yeah, and I'm I'm in the middle of doing my fourth book at the moment, which oh. ironically, which ironically is actually a um, not a factual book. A fiction. It is. Yeah. Really? What's it going <laughs> to be? What's it? Can you give us a little teaser? What it's going to be about? Well, I love. Firstly, I love writing. I love it. It's you know, I just like to sit back. If I've got a few hours, I'm not someone who sits. You know, takes out four weeks and writes. I take out an hour here or two hours there. So it's something I really like to do. It's my part of my meditation, if you like. But um, it is a fiction book about a, about a murderer, actually. Oh. <laughs> You're the first person I've ever talked Okay, back to your police days. Uh, actually, yeah, it does have a big police influence. But you're, yeah, you're the first person I've told. Whoa. Oh, God, no, now everybody knows. We got a little scoop here. Well, I thank you. Thank you for doing that. I'm looking forward to that. Very, very cool. I'll make sure I put links. Now, all, are all your other books still available for people to go buy? Yeah, so Petrol, uh, sorry, Petrol Head Parenting, which is a children's book, it's perfectly aimed for sort of two to eight-year-olds. Okay. That's, uh, there's a link on my uh, Instagram page, but you can get that from Amazon or Noah. Okay. Noah Fine Art is the website. The uh, Petrol, um, sorry, the British Police Car, which if you're, a, if you're a nerd that loves the history of cars, because, yeah. you know, I, I love writing that book. I did it with HarperCollins. Um, it's this really kind of in-depth look, not just at British police cars, but ultimately about, you know, the, the changing law. You know, after the war, you've got all these people that are, you know, talented, but of course couldn't afford a car. So they would, you know, modify anything that they had and bought surplus war equipment. So people would drive around and then it became reckless. So I talk about the first ever speeding, the first road death how cars became black and white is fascinating. Why the British police chose a blue light, how the siren came about. So the evolution of police cars is really amazing because of course they're always in this race, right. this cat and mouse with the bat with the bad guys. So, you know, I talk about how, you know, what did the bad guys do to try and stay ahead and what did the police do to try and keep up? So it's, um, it's a real kind of niche nerdy subject, but I, I'm so proud of that. It took two years to write. Wow. Very cool. And, uh, and it's, it's filled with some really interesting stories. Uh, I mean, particularly the first ever speeding ticket, I, I think it's fascinating, but yeah. I'm not going to give it away. Okay. Well, uh, well but yeah, uh... that, that book, that book's available on Amazon. Yeah, I'll put links to all these books so you, all you uh, listeners can get your hands on them. As my listeners know, I've got a place on my website called Guest Recommended Books. There's over 2,000 books there listed, and I've made it really easy for you listeners to buy these books. So uh, they all sound fantastic. I'm going to get a copy of the Petrolhead Parenting for my new grandson. I think that sounds like a winner for sure. So before I let you go, I'm going to let you go on the ultimate drive. Again, I've got an unlimited amount of funds here, which is kind of cool. I'm going to buy you any car in the world, and. And I'm going to let you drive with anybody, living or someone who's deceased, and you can be driving anywhere. So aside from heading off to Jensen's Button's wedding today, if you could go on this ultimate drive and I would fund you for it, what does it look like for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. So firstly, uh, I, I, I love being a dad. So I have to have my kids with okay. me. Okay. So Emily, Archie, and Hudson would be in the car for starters, which discounts a sports car, right? Because uh, kind of, sort of, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, I'd have to take my girlfriend because she, she's such a great road tripper. Okay. And uh, so the five of us would need a big car. I'm a real old school Brit, so I'd have to go for a Bentley blower. Ooh, okay. Uh, and I would go south of France, Monaco, windy country road, roof down in a Bentley blower. Boom! 
There you go. Sounds like a fun trip to me. I think it's awesome. Well, you've taken us on a fun trip today, Ant. I can't thank you enough for calling in today. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some words of wisdom, inspiration, success quote, or a mantra to uh, leave us on a positive note today? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I consider myself a creative person. Um, and I think everyone, every human has within them the strand of creativity. And as you get older, it gets lost. So there's something really important about staying foolish and staying creative and staying, staying hungry to just play. Because from those playful moments, those creative moments, understanding what you love to do as a child yeah. is the most important thing you can take into being an adult. So I would say the art of growing up is, just don't grow up too much. <laughs> I love it. Very wise words of wisdom today. How can people follow along with you? You mentioned your Instagram account. Is that the best way for people to follow you? Yeah, I have a, I have a, a few social media platforms, but Instagram is probably the one I focus on the most. So it's ant underscore Antsted on Instagram. And uh, if I'm boring, don't follow uh, because <laughs> it's mostly about kids, cars and cake. Uh, you know, cake. I love it. You're, you're far from boring, my friend. This has been a wonderful event. I'll, again, listeners, I'll make a note to uh, put the Palm event as well on Aunt Shona's page. Uh, if you want to attend that event, hey, what? They're sold out, but there's always next year. Or maybe you can bribe your way through the door. Good luck with that, uh, especially when you're at an ex-president's house. Uh, I think there might be some Secret Service hanging out there, so maybe don't don't bust the door. And thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing amazing life you built for yourself. No doubt there's a lot more fun stuff to come. Uh, all of our best to Jensen and his bride. A wonderful day for them today. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration preservation, and mentorship is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM apprenticeship program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!